The grace and peace of Christ be with you. And also with you. As we turn to greet one another this morning, instead of a handshake, how about a fist bump? We welcome you to Laguna Presbyterian Church on this Sunday that we call Scout Sunday. You might have noticed that we have scouts ushering and we have scouts here. Uh, we have, as part of BSA, we have both boys and girls who are now in scouts. Our troop 
35 and PAC 35 go all the way back to 1945 here in our church as we have sponsored them. And you can see some of our leaders uh, that you know as part of our church, like Tom Fay and Dick Maxwell, as well as the troop and the PAC leaders right now. We are so glad to have you with us. Thank you for coming today. Let's give them a hand. This is also Parish Sunday, which means that our deacons are over in the Fellowship Hall and Tankersley Hall, and they're each hosting a table. For those of you who are members of the church, you have a deacon and you have a parish to which you belong, and they'd like to meet you. So see if you can find them. If you don't know the number of your parish, there's a list at the door, and find your deacon and introduce yourself. If you're not a member or if you're part of the Scouts, Please feel free to come anyway and just enjoy the entire room. Um, we, we encourage you all. There is a table that's for the preschool and the scouts and the youth group, especially for you, and there are donuts on that table, so you'll be glad to know that. That is the only place that donuts are this morning, which you might care to note also at parents. Our third Friday group invites you to join them for our celebration of the Academy Awards. It's after the Academy Awards, but you can sign up today over in Tankersley Hall for that. Also, our women's retreat. Tomorrow is the deadline to sign up for women's retreat. The retreat is in March. It's gonna be a wonderful weekend. If you can't afford to do the whole thing, talk to me, scholarships are available, but you gotta to talk to me today because the deadline is tomorrow to sign up for that. Also, you can continue to sign up for the Saturday option right up until the weekend time. We have a parenting class that is going to begin in March. You can see information about that in here. And that is going to be particularly for parents of zero to six-year-olds. It is going to be on Monday evenings. More information is going to be coming. If you're visiting with us today and you're a parent, we especially hope that you'll watch out for that and that you'll become a part of that. There is a card that is inside of your connections that is stuck there, and it is covering up part of it. I'm not going to tell you all about this yet. Hang on to it, though. We're going to hear, have somebody talk about that a little later. LPC Heritage Foundation, a lasting legacy. Let's turn our hearts to the Lord. Let's pray. Loving God, you are always more ready to bestow your good gifts upon us than we are to seek them. You are more willing to give than we desire or deserve. So give us hearts to know your love as we come to worship you through Christ our Lord. Amen. And Duke Wollum from our Scouts is going to lead us in the call to worship. Duke? No matter how far we wander from you, O oh God, your, your steadfast, steadfast love finds us. us. No matter how unjust the world seems to us, O oh God, your, your steadfast, steadfast justice sustains us. No matter how vulnerable our lives seem to us, O oh God, your steadfast presence surrounds us. No matter how unloved or alone we feel, O oh God, you bend your ear to hear our cries and answer our prayers. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not thy compassions, they fail not. As thou hast been, now forever wilt be. 
Savior, precious Redeemer and friend, who would have thought that a lamb could save us?
the promises of God sealed in our baptism, we humbly confess the reality of our sin in our personal and in our social life. Oh God, you have endlessly summoned us. Hear, listen, listen up, pay attention, obey, turn. We confess that mostly we do not. We are caught up in our own lives. Busy, frantic, fearful, anxious about today, worried about tomorrow. You call us to make disciples, to empower one another to walk in the fullness of the gifts that you give. Forgive us for missing that call again and again. You who calls us by name so that we know. You who calls us to yourself so that we may live. You who calls us into the world that we may care. You who calls us to risk so that we may trust beyond ourselves. This morning we sing the ancient Trisagion, which means in Greek, three times holy. The three names for God, holy God, holy mighty, Holy Immortal, Have Mercy, one of the most ancient songs sung by the church. We sing together this morning.
So, Lord, as we come to you in the silence, holy one, holy and mighty, holy immortal, search us, O Lord. You know our hearts. Hear us now in the silence as we come to you. For we pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. My friends, hear the good news of the gospel. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is faithful in all his works and gracious in all his deeds. The Lord upholds those who are falling and raises up those who are bowed down. Trust the good news. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Thanks be to God. Amen. I'd like to introduce to you two men from our stewardship committee, Jack Bell and Rich Gordonier. I know what you're all thinking. I know that you're elbowing each other, and in your mind you're thinking, Judy's husband's up here begging for money again. Well, you'd be wrong, because I am not be begging for money this week. Uh, we're going to talk to you about a celebration, and it's going to be a fun, fun celebration. You know how much I have said in the past how Judy and I love this church, love the people in the church, and we love to serve any way we can, uh, whether in the choir or wherever we are. We, we really enjoy serving people, and that's what we like to do. So this is kind of a next step for stewardship. We want to tell you about a new idea, and that's to celebrate and honor all those people who have placed a gift or will commit to place a gift in their state. Uh, think of it as God's money and give it back to God when you don't need it anymore. And uh, that's how we're talking about our state planning. We'll be out at a cart after this to discuss with you if you had any questions. We can't get financial advice, but we can tell you where to go get that. These future gifts will ensure the future of the church. In many ways, it'll fund uh, interest off foundations, will fund missions, and, and everything we do around here would be enhanced by having those kinds of funds available. We do not need proof that uh, you don't have to bring us in your trust or will and prove it. Well, it's an honor system. You just tell us that you're doing it or plan to do it in the very near future, and you'll be invited to a celebration. The celebration is March 22nd. It's a brunch at a country club, and we, uh, we hope that you'll be able to attend. You can see a card in the, in the bulletin. You see that? If you'll fill that card out within the next seven or eight days, uh, put it back into the offering or uh, mail it to the church, whatever. We'll also do another mailing next week of sending you another card. But if you'll just fill that out with a promise or a commitment to uh, help with your estate, be greatly appreciated. The name of the new organization that the elders have approved is the uh, Laguna Presbyterian Church Heritage Foundation, a lasting legacy, and it will be a lasting legacy. So please, uh, please fill out the card. 
and get us back to us. I want to introduce my good friend, Rich Gordonier, who's on the uh, stewardship committee, please. Good morning. Uh, a few months ago, my wife uh, Susie and I decided to amend our wills and trusts to honor our love of Christ and our loyalty to Laguna Presbyterian Church. Adding LPC to our trust was a very simple and inexpensive process, and it was a one-page one document. At the same time, we suggested to the stewardship committee and church staff that LPC consider forming a heritage foundation, a foundation, a lasting legacy, and ask others to join us as charter uh, members of this foundation. Today, as you have heard from Jack, we are moving ahead with this process. Attached to your uh, programs is this card. It's a simple card, as Jack described. We ask you to fill that out if you're, if you're so inclined. Um, as, uh, as a thank you uh, for joining the Heritage Foundation as charter members, Susie and I will be hosting a celebration brunch on March 22nd at El Niguel Country Club. We hope all of you will be able to join if, if you decide to become charter members. Uh, please fill out the card and let us know that you'll be there to join us. Thank you. Thank you, Rich. Uh, my phone number is also in connections. You can call me anytime with any kind of general questions, and maybe I can lead you in the right direction. But please remember, uh, all of our assets come from God, and at the end of your life, you might consider giving it back to God. Thank you.
So over a pattern of a few months, we are working through the Old Testament book of Exodus. Why we are doing this is because this congregation, this church is in a major transition on leadership. And Exodus is all about change, all about transitions, all about how leaders grow, how about leaders change. It's also about how the people are changed through good leadership. When we read Exodus, we know that it is a part of a group of books called the Pentateuch, all attributed to the authorship of Moses or the Mosaic community. And therefore, there is continuity that we find throughout those books. There are phrases, there are words, there are expressions, there are metaphors that permeate all the way from Genesis 1 through to Deuteronomy. As we read Genesis 1 and 2, I want to call your attention to three phrases that will reappear here in Exodus 18. The first one is the phrase that happens after God has created something each day. You get this little phrase which says, it is evening and morning of the first day, or evening and morning of the second day. Evening precedes morning. There's a reason for that order. God's created order has evening preceding morning. Morning is the ultimate end. Evening is not. When we talk about the end of the day, that's not where God wants to have us end up. Not in the darkness, but in the bright light. The second phrase is simply, it's not good to be alone. When God says, In the conversation about creation, it is not good that the man should be alone. That is not just a reference to having a spouse. It is a reference to everything humanity does. In everything we do, it is not good to be alone. We will find that phrase in this text. And the third phrase has to do with the end of each day's creation where God says, and it was good. At the end of the second day, it was good. At the end of the sixth day, it was very good. Or as Tom Gillespie, the past president of Princeton, would say, it was damn good. So here now, Exodus 18. Jethro, the priest of Midian, Moses' father-in-law, heard all that God had done for Moses and for his people Israel. How the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. After Moses had sent away his wife Zipporah, his father-in-law Jethro took her back along with her two sons. Notice, it's not his two sons, it's her two sons. That should tell you something wasn't quite right. Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, came into the wilderness and watch the next day when Moses sat down as judge for the people. Well, the people stood around him from morning until evening. When Moses' father-in-law saw that all that he was doing for the people, he said, what is this that you are doing for the people? Why do you sit alone? There's that phrase. Why do you sit alone while all the people stand around you from morning until evening? There's that reversal of creation. It's not evening to morning. Now it's 
morning to evening, you get the feeling that they're all worn out and it's darkness. Moses said to his father-in-law, because the people come to me to inquire of God. When they have a dispute, they come to me. And I decide between one person and the other. I make known to them the statutes and the instructions of God. You notice who is the center of that conversation. Moses' father-in-law said to him, what you are doing is not good. There's that other phrase. Not good simply means it's out of sync with what God wants. It's not good. God never made us this way. What you're doing is not good. You will surely wear yourself out, both you and all these people with you. For the task is too heavy for you. You cannot do it alone. There's that phrase again. Now listen to me, Jethro said, and I will give you counsel, and God be with you. Notice he's calling Moses into the presence of God. You should represent the people before God, and you should bring their cases before God, teach them the statutes and instructions, and make known to them the way they are to go and the things that they are to do. Moses, become a teacher. Use your teaching skills. Everybody needs to be taught. Then you should look for able men, or today we'd say men and women, among all the people. Men who fear God are trustworthy and hate dishonest gain. Set such over them as officers, over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens, and let them sit as judges for the people at all times. Let them bring every important case to you, but decide every minor case themselves. So it will be easier for you, and they will bear the burden with you, If you do this, and by the way, God so commands that you do it, then you will be able to endure, and all these people will go to their homes in peace. That's that word shalom, healthiness and wholeness and completeness. So Moses listened to his father-in-law and did all that he had said. The word of the Lord. This is very good news for grandparents. Jethro is kind of the grandparent, father-in-law consultant on leadership for Moses doing the right thing. In the book of Exodus, Moses has a constant tension that exists for him between two households. He grew up in two households, interestingly enough. He grew up in the household of Pharaoh on one hand, he grew up in the household of God on the other. The primary influencers in Moses' life in the household of God were women, some very good women. Pharaoh considers himself a god and has his own household. Moses has to choose every day of his life whether to live into the household of Pharaoh or the household of God. And this is no different on this day. For God, according to the pattern that Moses has discovered, is one who is not like Pharaoh, the opposite of Pharaoh. God creates, Pharaoh destroys. God serves, Pharaoh demands service. God is slow to anger. Pharaoh gets angry on very short strings. God is full of abundant love, Pharaoh is full of abundant vindictiveness. 
God empowers Pharaoh and slaves. God comes down to walk among human beings in the cool of the day. Pharaoh demands that human beings bow before him so that he has ultimate control. You see the difference that Moses had to live through every day of his life? I'll bet in our own minds, we are constantly choosing between at least two or three households as to what behavior pattern we will exercise. It will be the household of God or the household of some other influential person that has placed demands upon us or influences. Moses is still practicing, I think subconsciously, the actions of Pharaoh. He is literally calling all the people to himself. And they stand around him from morning until evening, waiting for him to decide all of their cases. Moses is exercising a kind of pharaonic leadership style where he is the center of all activity. You notice what Jethro says, that's not good. And you notice what happens when Moses is preoccupied with this kind of leadership style. He has to send his wife and his children, his sons, away. And it's to the point where Jethro recognizes that those two boys are no longer Moses' sons, they are Zipporah's sons. And Jethro knows that isn't right. They need to be the sons of Moses and Zipporah together. I'll bet you some time in your life, if you've been involved with major responsibilities in business or church or whatever, there have been moments where your kids have said to you, where are you? I know I've been nurtured in the world of type A church ministry, where I have been in high-performing churches with high-performing staffs, and I am expected to be a high-performance pastor. And that generally means I don't take a lot of time to hold hands and be warm and fuzzy. You know corporations like that. You know leadership styles like that. And what Jethro was saying to Moses is, Moses, that is not good. Or another way to put it in terms of the Old Testament pattern of good and evil is, Moses, what you are doing is leading to evil. That's how bad it is. It may get the job done, although it really doesn't. It wears everybody out. But it doesn't build people up. My daughters, if you were to ask them, and they were standing here today, they would say there were moments in my history where they couldn't figure out where dad was. Dad, where were you when we were going to do such and such or experiencing such and such? I say, well, I was busy with the church or I was busy writing a book, or I was busy doing consulting. I was doing stuff that God had called me to do. And they come to me and say, Dad, where were you? It's interesting to note, by the way, that Jethro has seven daughters. I'm always thinking that a man with seven daughters has a little different view of reality. Jethro surely does. He understands something about the nature of God that only the daughters can bring out. So Moses has to choose. Do I listen to Jethro or do I still listen for the voice of Pharaoh in my life? 
Jethro was a priest. And what do priests do? Priests bring us into the presence of God, but priests more so teach us about who God really is and about how God wants to empower us to live the fullness of life. My job isn't just to preach. In fact, I would say that's a rather insignificant part of the job. The biggest part of the job of the priest or leader priest is to teach people how to live in the presence of God. And so Moses is going to learn how to teach all the people about the things that God wants to say to them. He's going to empower all of the people with knowledge of God and the presence of God, and he's especially going to empower leaders to know how to do the same with their people. Jethro is the priest. He understands something about the nature of God. He wants to lead the people who listen to him into faithful family, faithful community, and faithful organizational life. Leaders who are priests who empower all the people. You'll notice that the heavy emphasis on this text is all the roles of leadership. There are many different words used here. There's the word priest. There's the implication of parent, husband, grandparent, teacher, coach, mediator, officer, judge. And there's another word used at the very end called head, which doesn't mean somebody who reigns over a person. It means somebody who's got their head screwed on straight and knows their right sources of life. That's a good head. And so leadership is what is at stake here. It's not about control, it's about empowerment. Now, I have heard over the years, Gareth, you need to learn how to delegate. And I'm here to suggest to you that empowerment is more than delegation. Delegation is about turning over tasks to be done. I can't do that, so will you please do it? That's a perfectly reasonable responsibility for a leader to do. But empowerment goes deeper and further than delegation. Empowerment is about helping another person have the authority within themselves to make their own good choices, their own good judgments, to understand the teaching and the frame of life, to coach and mentor them to become successful leaders. That's way beyond delegation. I'm looking today for empowerment models in our government and business. I don't see a lot of them. In fact, I don't see a lot of empowerment models in the church. Frankly, that scares the hell out of me. The problem of a type A leader is that they are typically often more Pharaoh-like than they are God-like. When Jim Collins wrote his book on becoming not just a good institution, but a great institution, not just a good leader, but a great leader, he said the number one responsibility of leadership is to be carefully selective of the primary leaders of the organization or community. What does Jethro say to Moses here? Moses, you go out and you carefully pick other human beings, other men, we would say other women, to be leaders. 
They need to have abilities. They need to have maturity and the experience of life to be able to do this well. Skills and experience, able. Because you want the right people on the bus, according to Jim Collins. You want the right leadership to be sharing with you. And who you pick as leaders to be with you is very important. Along with that, Collins would say that we need to lean into character rather than charisma. We are a society that's heavily built upon the charisma of the show person, the charisma of the athlete, the charisma of the movie star, the charisma of the preacher. And what Collins says is that's okay, but what really develops organizations is the character of a person who can help others to grow not attract everybody to themselves. So an empowering leader is one like Jethro suggests. A person who's able, gifted and healthy. One who trusts God. One who is trustworthy themselves. And this one hates dishonest gain. They are honest and they don't abuse power. While Pharaoh abuses power all the time, God does not abuse power. If you look into the empowerment processes of good leadership development, you will find such things as teach, act with integrity, inspire others to their full potential, share the vision, foster participation in decision-making. In other words, get other people involved in leadership. Parker Palmer, one of the great teaching consultants in our country, says this, the mark of a healthy community is when power is shared and leaders are empowered. Pharaohs don't do that. I'm concerned about many, many places of leadership where pharaohs are still running the show and hurting people. In Ephesians 4, we see the overall purpose of the church in terms of apostolic ministry. And that is that the apostles wanted the leaders of the church, whether they be preachers or teachers or apostles or whatever, to empower the people or equip them for works of service so that everybody can grow up and be unified in their trust in God and their maturity. That's the purpose of empowered leadership, that everybody can grow up into the completeness of Jesus Christ. The wholeness of God. The two words, Old Testament is shalom, the New Testament is teleos. And they mean very similar things. We want people to become everything God has created them to be. Mature. Moses does the thing that demonstrates his clear willingness to grow and change as a leader. After Jethro has said everything he has said and taught Moses the change, it says that Moses listened and did everything that Jethro said. Wow. How many leaders don't listen to anybody else? They have no Jethro in their life. They don't want a Jethro in their life. The word stops with me. 
I have been a pastor of large Presbyterian churches. In one of those large Presbyterian churches, I found myself getting into a very difficult place with one of the other staff people on that church staff. And we came to loggerheads. And the fight was so visible and so great that we were literally dividing the church around whether they were for this person or for me. And the session of the church said, we can't do this. We're going to get the two of you some outside help, a consultant to help you rebuild this and restructure how you relate to each other so if we can go on in a healthy way. In other words, they looked for a Jethro for me, and they found one who was a Lutheran pastor therapist. I'm here to say the Presbyterians can learn from Lutherans, okay? He had written a book called Healers, Harmed and Harmful. And he understood in family systems processes that if a person is wounded or injured in growing up, they can take that injury and woundedness and keep inflicting it upon others the older they get. And unfortunately, that's too true. You see, Moses was wounded growing up. He had learned the patterns of Pharaoh. What did he do when he saw somebody beating another slave? He took the Pharaonic solution early on in Exodus. He looked both ways and then killed the guy. That's what Pharaoh would do. And so I had to learn some things to correct some of the gaps in my leadership style. Now, I know some of you want to hear about the gaps. That's going to be a longer conversation for another day. Let's just suffice it to say that Jethro got me out of a heap of trouble because what I was doing was not good. And everybody was going home exhausted. Empowerment leadership is not easy to come to in life. We have a case that's very visible right now in front of the whole country, particularly from Californians and Southern Californians. It's the life of Kobe Bryant, who is being mourned by literally millions of people because he died with his 13-year-old daughter and other people. And he died not because he was a superb basketball player. He died because he had learned to become and empower of other kids to play basketball. He died on the way to help them grow in their humanity and their game playing. If you look at the first part of Kobe's life when he first started out at the age of 18 to the time he was about 30, you find a person who valued what he called being the hero villain. The person who wanted to upset other people and anger them and frustrate them and he functioned out of this deep sense of vindictiveness perfectionism and narcissism it's all about me and he actually developed more players around him who hated him than loved him and then something began to happen in his life he messed up with relationships with the women in his life he messed up and his body started breaking down, couldn't play like he used to. He was on a team that was thoroughly broken and couldn't win anything. 
And there's something that happened to Kobe Bryant in that transition of losing almost everything, if not everything, where he began to say, I got to change my life somehow and do better. And the words that were said about him after a while was, he became a teacher rather than a tormentor. He became somebody who became soft in their heart and their presence. And rather than criticizing a person on the court for making a mistake, he would take them aside off to the side and he would start saying, let's talk about how this can be improved, how I can help you do better, how you can help me do better. He began to be an empowerer of other players. And I got to believe that some of that had to do with the presence of his daughters who wanted to play the game well. And he knew he couldn't treat his daughters the way he'd been treating those other players. So in his transformation as a leader, we have celebrations today that go two ways. Which Kobe Bryant are you going to celebrate? The mean, vindictive one who's perfectionistic and narcissistic or the one who has learned to serve and lift up other people? The one who changed. And that's what happens in Moses' life. Which Moses do we celebrate? The one who imitates Pharaoh or the one who listens to Jethro? Good news for us as grandparents today is this has our name on it. To be able to counsel with the next generation and the generation after them, to coach them and encourage them to become everything God has created them to be. Not to strong arm them and control them and manipulate them, but to be their servants. For that is the very nature of God that Moses discovered when God blesses people, it's that word that God stoops down and lifts them up and helps them to become everything God wants them to be. And that's what Jethro wanted to do for Moses, for Zipporah, and their two sons. So those sons became Moses' sons again. And Zipporah became Moses' wife again. And he listened to everything Jethro had to say. So we are invited when we follow Jesus Christ to know that that pattern that Jesus shows us is a pattern of stooping down and lifting us up when we are out of control and distorted and redeeming our lives for a better future. May God help us to be the kind of church that not only picks that kind of leadership, but builds that kind of leadership to serve the church and the world around us. And I invite you now to join with me in the recitation of Philippians chapter 2, which is our affirmation of faith, to reaffirm in us the kind of mind that Christ had to do this. Let us stand. Let this same mind be in us that was in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness, and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name,
so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Please be seated. Let us pray. Mighty God, we thank you that you are a God who desires relationship with us, that in Jesus Christ you've come to live amongst us in self-giving love. We thank you that you empower us by your spirit to grow to maturity and to walk in your ways. We thank you too for the people who have empowered us, for parents and grandparents, for teachers and mentors and co-workers and coaches and scout leaders. Today we thank you for our scouts and their leaders. May scouting be for each of them an experience of growth and empowerment. May they become people who are loyal and caring toward your world. On this parish Sunday, we thank you for the deacons of our church and the ways in which they too have come along beside us in caring and friendship. We pray for all who are in leadership positions, especially those who are in leadership of our nation and of our world. Give them grace to handle power wisely and in service to others. Use them and use us as instruments of your peace and reconciliation in our polarized world. And make us instruments of your peace here where we find ourselves, in our schools, in our families, in our communities, our workplaces, in our church. We pray for all who seek to bring healing in the midst of despair, for doctors and nurses and other medical personnel, particularly as they seek to heal and contain the coronavirus. We pray for counselors and caregivers and friends who seek to bring hope to those who suffer in mind, body and heart, particularly those who are survivors of the tragic events of this week, the shooting in Thailand and the flooding in Oregon and Washington. We pray for the day when you will bring your peace and healing to all the world. And so we pray for that day when your will is done on earth as in heaven, saying together, Our Father, who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. When Jethro was asked to be careful about the selection of other leaders, he was called to pick people who hated to, to have dishonest gain or abuse power. I think we tend to use money one of two ways in the world for our own purposes, our own um, success, or for service to others. Today, I invite you to consider Jethro as your model of giving and not Pharaoh. Don't use your money to control other people. Let us give as Jesus has given to us 
as a great servant. Amen. You'll find this song on the music insert as the offering plate is being passed. And after it's passed your way, we invite you to join in as you'd like. As I rise, strength of God, go before, oh, lift me up as I wake, eyes of God, look upon, oh, be my God. of God. Go before, lift me up. As I wake eyes of God, look upon and be my sight. The people might see Christ in me. Let's stand as we sing the chorus together.
Oh Lord, we present ourselves and our gifts to be of service to you, to build up people, to build up people in your presence and your knowledge and your grace and your son, Jesus, that they might become whole and complete in this tough world. That every part of our leadership pattern, including our scouts, might show the kind of service that reflects the very nature of God. And so we offer ourselves and our wealth for that purpose. In Jesus' name. Amen. As our service concludes, if you would like someone to pray for you or with you, there'll be some prayer ministers right over here by the baptismal font, and they would love to do that. Also, at the end of the service, you are all invited to come over to Tankersley Hall and meet our deacons and enjoy some of the room full of goodies that they have over there for you. It's also the place where you can sign up for things, including you can sign up to vote. If you're not registered to vote, we have somebody who's doing that today, and I forgot to tell you that earlier. I'm done. I don't think so, actually. So, the great blessing that Moses communicated to the people probably every day is the blessing we take with us today. And that word blessing is a statement about who God is. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord kneel before you and be your servant to lift you up and to carry you out so that you may show the same kind of service to your family and to your friends and to the world around you. May the Lord bless you and keep you May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you shalom, completeness and wholeness, maturity in life. Amen. Amen.